It is good to be back with you after a wonderful vacation. Enjoyed the beautiful mountains of North Carolina. And you enjoyed two wonderful preachers, didn't you? Lisa, thank you for being here. And my Pastor Eric. We're going to hear from 2 Corinthians today. Begin with chapter 2 at verse 12. I know a person in Christ who 14 years ago was called up to the third heaven, whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And I know that such a person, whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. Was called up into paradise and heard things that are not to be told that no mortal is permitted to repeat. On behalf of such a one, I will boast. But on my own behalf, I will not boast except of my weaknesses. But I wish to boast, but if I wish to boast, I will not be a fool, for I will be speaking the truth. But I refrain from it so that no one may think better of me than what is seen in me or heard from me, even considering the exceptional character of the revelations. Therefore, to keep me from being too elated, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me, to keep me from being too elated. Three times I appealed to the Lord about this, that it would leave me but he said to me my grace is sufficient for you for power is made perfect in weakness so I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may dwell in me therefore I am content with weaknesses insults hardships persecution and calamities for the sake of Christ for whenever I am weak then I am strong this is the word of God for us the people of God now, our text today is packed with a lot of Pauline mystery, but we're not going to be considering the third heaven today. <laughs> we're going to look at verses 9 and 10. This says, where Paul says, I will boast of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may dwell in me, for whenever I am weak, then I am strong. Now, in our society today, the Apostle Paul probably would never be elected a politician or hired as a CEO of a Fortune 500 company. He may not be appointed or called to be a pastor of a big steeple church. And the reason is the way he so openly talks about weakness. Leaders in our world today are never caught talking about their weaknesses, are they? The topic of weakness is taboo in our society. If it's spoken of at all, it's usually the topic of criticism. Now, we learn early on about weakness and how we're not to be that. Now, I remember as a kid, the Boy Scout magazine, Boy's Life. Anybody remember that? Yeah, you know. And then also in comic books. I, I want to talk to you. There was an ad in Boy's Life and in those comic books. It was about Charles Atlas. It was... Charles Atlas muscle building program and it was there to attract young boys to order his method of building muscles now here I, I think being healthy is important but this was not about healthy this is about growing big muscles so nobody would ever make fun of you again now we get the aversion to weakness honestly however you may have gotten it growing up this week on Thursday I had the privilege of 
sharing some hot dogs and singing patriotic songs with our prime timers. And the songs were about America and the fortitude and the sacrifice of those who began this great experiment called America. It was a wonderful celebration. And we, we sang the first stanza of America the Beautiful. And then that, that gorgeous chorus, that refrain. Why, why don't we sing it this morning, that refrain? America, America, God shed his grace on thee and crown thy good with brotherhood from sea to shining sea. Yeah. And then we sang the second stanza. Lee, I'm so glad we sang the second stanza because it was in that stanza that there was a word of truth that speaks to a nation who, if honest with itself, can become the country that God desires it to become. The second stanza says, America, America, God mend thine every flaw. You see, we're not just a nation of political power and military might. We're a nation like all other nations with flaws and imperfections. We're a nation with weaknesses and patriotism can drift into pride if we're not humble enough to recognize our weaknesses and limitations. We need to be humble enough to say that we're presently a nation that doesn't know how to keep immigrant families together and reunite them when they're separated. That we're still a country that, that struggles with, with deep-seated prejudices, whether it's racial or cultural. Even in Durham, our city, we're a growing city, and it's a beautiful city, isn't it? Have you been downtown lately? Isn't it gorgeous? But as we grow, homelessness is growing. Over 17% of our uh, population in Durham lives in the poverty. One in five children are insecure in the city of Durham. America, America, God mend thine every flaw. I'm grateful of how Aldersgate is actively engaged in being a part of how God mends some flaws of our society, some of the weaknesses in our city, in our country, in our world. Wasn't it wonderful to hear this morning how much we raise for crop walk? To know that that money is going to help feed some in Durham and some around the world. Now, the Apostle Paul understood the importance of acknowledging and accepting weakness, not as an admission of defeat, but as an avenue to experience God's grace. Paul says, I boast of my weaknesses. Now, here's the thing. If you have read any about Paul, you know he's no weakling and he's no pushover. Um, um, Paul's got plenty of ego about him. Paul was an excellent leader, a wonderful writer. He was theologically astute. And if you read him just the right way, you can see him with that walk in with that sacred swagger about him. When he says he boasts of his weaknesses, he's making an important faith statement. Paul says, to keep me from being too elated, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me, to keep me from being too elated. Now for centuries, theologians and lay people alike, we have studied, we have researched, trying to discover what was that thorn in the flesh. We just don't know, do we? <clears throat> to be sure, it was more than a minor inconvenience. The word for thorn here 
is a powerful word, more akin to like a stake being put in the flesh. Some wonder if his thorn was migraines or depression or epilepsy, whatever it was. It was a burden that Paul prayed over and over again for God to take away. And instead, God gave him strength to bear his pain. God's word to Paul were, my grace is sufficient for you for power is made perfect in weakness. Leadership consultant Simon Sinek, he writes about the characteristics of a, um, a healthy leader, and we can see that in the life of the Apostle Paul. Sinek says, the great leaders are not the strongest. They're the ones who are honest about their weaknesses. The great leaders are not the smartest. They're the ones who admit what they don't know. The great leaders can't do everything. They're the ones who look to others to help them. Great leaders don't see themselves as great. They see themselves as human. Paul understood his limitations of being a human. He understood what it is to experience weakness and woundedness. He prayed for God to cure him from that thorn in the flesh, but God offered healing instead. Paul learned what God desires for each one of us, to, to know that we need to lean upon God for our strength that is needed. You see, nobody in this life get, uh, leaves unscathed. We're all wounded people, whether physically or emotionally, mentally, spiritually. The main question is not how can we hide our wounds so we don't be embarrassed, but how can we embrace our woundedness for the service of others? When our wounds cease to be a source of shame and become a source of healing, we become, as Henry Nouwen says, those wounded healers. You see, God may not stop the storm in our lives, but God will give us the grace to navigate those storms. The paradox of faith is that when we are weak, then we are strong. Whatever the, whatever the limitations Paul was facing, it was a weakness that helped him rely in a deep way on God and not on his own, uh, his own abilities. Paul saw his weakness as an avenue to grace. Experiences his own weakness and his own limitations. His, his family rejects him as all those in the synagogue did that day. The gospel says they took offense at him and he could do no deed of power there except lay his hands on a few sick people and cure them. But Jesus found that when he was weak, God gave him grace for loving others who themselves were somehow wounded. This was Jesus' ministry keeping company with powerless people, with hurting people, with oppressed people. Jesus found the weak and the wounded and invited them into a relationship with God whose grace is sufficient and whose grace made them strong in their weak places. Now, I found my pectoral cross right before annual conference this year. I've been here with you a year, and I finally found it. And I bring that to your attention because the central symbol for Christianity is a symbol of weakness, a symbol of a cross. It was a symbol where criminals were crucified in Rome. But the blessing and the gift in that is God took that, that symbol of, of, uh, of weakness and pain and transformed it into a symbol of love. This is true. Pain will not always be cured, but God will not waste our pain. 
our pain, our weakness, our limitations, whatever they might be, leads us to God's healing grace. We can allow the weaknesses of our pain to make us more aware of those suffering around us. We can allow the weaknesses of our pain to help us grow in compassion and mercy. We can allow the weakness of our pain to empower us to be agents of God's grace for others. Dean of Duke University uh, Chapel, uh, Dr. Luke Powery, writes about his 10-year-old niece, Christiana. He, she died right before Christmas in 2005. She was a little girl with a rare autoimmune disease, um, which only three out of a million children get. And there's no cure for it. It causes one organ after another to stop. His niece would say, I am weak. She wrote in her journal, I feel as weak as a newborn baby or animal. She was an athlete, but her muscles deteriorated so much that she, sh she couldn't shoot basketball anymore. She became so weak she couldn't open jars or bottles or hang up towels in the bathroom or even take off her, her uh, T-shirt. She was extremely weak, and yet Christiana received strength during her weakness. This was a little girl in great suffering and pain. She could have easily become um, consumed with her predicament that she forgot everyone else, but she didn't. Powery says God filled her with enough strength and power that many times at the end of her journal entries, she would pray for her Aunt Gail, who was pregnant, or for her uncle J.M., who was in the hospital, or for the little baby next door in the hospital room, with the unknown liquid that was inside of her body, she wrote. The power of Christ was reaching out to others through her weak body on the cross of her hospital bed. She was living the paradox of faith, whenever I am weak, I am strong. This young girl found her strength in her weakness. She experienced God's grace in the midst of her suffering. Langston Hughes wrote a poem about such strength and weakness and about grace in the middle of suffering. He said, I've been scarred and battered. My hopes the wind done scattered. Snow has froze me. Sun has baked me. Looks like between them they done tried to make me stop laughing, stop loving, stop living. But I don't care because I'm still here. Whether it is the weakness of our nation or the weakness of the church or the weakness of us individually, we are still here. We don't have to stop laughing or stop loving or stop living because God has promised to mend our every flaw. Our responsibility in this act of mending is to invite God into our lives uh, as a nation, as a church, as followers of Jesus, to allow God to transform our weaknesses and paint into robust and compassionate living, a healing force for others. When we come clean and we admit to God we have those places in our lives. God will redeem them. God will make us strong in the places where we begin. We can become wounded healers. Remember when I began this message about how society teaches us early on about how to avoid weakness, be stronger than the next person? Well, the church on its best day also teaches us what it means to recognize that we're human. And then we have flaws and we have limitations. We have weaknesses. And I learned this from the church on its best day when it taught me the hymn, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong, they are, but he is strong. 
we will all experience thorns in the flesh. But we don't have to allow those storms to overcome us. God's grace will see us through times that try our souls. We'll feel like giving up. But God will strengthen us and help us remember that weakness never has the last word. God does. And that word is about healing and hope and grace that is sufficient to meet our every need. Let us pray. My grace is sufficient. Loving God, those, those few words brought such comfort to the Apostle Paul. And though every thorn in the flesh may be different for each one of us, we find in your message good news. Your strength is made perfect in times of weakness. When hardships appear and pain comes along, you heal and you forgive. And when life's hurts are so great that we can't bear it, you send us comfort and peace through your spirit and through your people. And so we thank you for that, for your love and for your grace, we know, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. In your, hymn, in your bulletin, you're going to see the final hymn is the summit.